Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Sports Radio 610 presents... Seth Payne and Sean Pendergast. We coming to eighth time. Let's get the work in, man. Let's go. Great day. Great day. Oh, give me some juice, baby. First and go at the three. Lining up in the clock at 10 seconds and ticking. In the shotgun, Mahomes. Four-man front. Receiver in motion. Low snap. He runs and he throws. Caught. Touchdown. It's caught. Hartman caught the ball. The Chiefs have won. The Chiefs have won. The entire bench empties. Chasing Mahomes in the end zone. Their third Super Bowl in five years. Kevin Harlan on the call. You heard that game right here on Sports Radio 610. Westwood won. And the Chiefs, for the third time in five years, they are the champions of the football universe. In Las Vegas last night, 25-22, the final score in overtime. Man, so much stuff to dig into from that game. We've still got leftovers from Radio Row last week. It's nice to be home. Welcome in, everybody, here on a Reaction Monday. We'll react to the Super Bowl and everything that went on last week. Uh, Sean Pendergast, Seth Payne with you. I am still exhausted, my friend, but I feel good today. This, uh, that was that a was... good competitive game last night and plenty of, us, uh, pl- plenty of stuff for you and I to, to chat about today. That, that, was a, that was a hell of a Super Bowl. That was uh, ultimately not the outcome I wanted. I I call I predicted that the Chiefs would win, but I really 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 wanted the 49ers to win. Uh mostly just cuz I I wanted proof of concept for the Texans, you know? You just you want to be sure, hey, yeah, this blueprint works. Kyle Shanahan certainly won't lose in three Super Bowls in which he held a double digit lead. Now, <laughs> certainly that won't happen. But uh but it was close. It was uh, it was as close as it could have been while still getting a loss and um I'm happy for Andy Reid. And I'm angry about every single other Chief. I, I grew to really despise the Chiefs over the course of that game. Yeah. I am um, my I guess my biggest takeaway I mean, there's so much stuff to dig into from this game. I guess as long as we're starting out here, like the biggest thing if we were talking you know, you and I talked about everybody talked about storylines going into this game and you know what it means for all the legacies, Mahomes and Reed and Shanahan. You know, and I think all, all the <laughs> All the potential effects on legacy that we talked about last week came to fruition in this game, and the biggest one to me is like now, now we are, now we are officially living in the like the Brady 2.0 era here with Mahomes. You know, like now it's it's yeah. it's three Super Bowls in five years, and it's not just it's it's not just that he's won three Super Bowls, Seth. It's it was the kind of inevitability feeling that I had at least going into over like once that game. Once the Chiefs got their legs under them in that game and it turned into kind of a back-and-forth thing between the two teams, yeah, especially in overtime when the Niners weren't able to cash in on getting deep into the red zone and they only kicked a field goal, you're like, all right, this is what happens when great ones win Super Bowls. And, and, and add to it the little quirky-ass things like a punt bouncing off somebody's leg on the Niners 
and yeah. handing gift wrapping a, a touchdown to the Chiefs when they were struggling I, offensively in that game. There, that that's my feeling on it. Is like okay, this this had a lot of the same traits of a game that we saw when Brady was winning all those close Super Bowls. I never, I see, I never felt the inevitability there. I always, uh, I, I felt like the Chiefs were uncharacteristically lacking composure. They were making a lot of stupid mistakes themselves. Sure, and I like, I think the biggest mistake. In the entire game was probably when the the, the 49ers all out blitzed Pat Mahomes uh, on the final drive there. I think like, other than that, they were coming up and still still making it really hard on Mahomes offensively. The uh, I, yeah, I, the the flukish. I'll tell you what, where the 49ers returner, I you know where I think everybody went from. 10 seconds of asking why was he so stupid to immediately thinking like, oh, gosh, yeah, okay. Sorry about you, that. Heads yeah. up play. You tried to you tried yeah. to catch it off the, the carom of your own teammate's foot. That I I thought that given the, given the injuries that the 49ers sustained in the game, that was, uh, I don't want to call it a heroic effort, obviously, because they, they lost. Um, but I thought they did a really good job of making it difficult on the Chiefs. And oh, yeah. uh, it just ultimately, yeah, like uh, Pat Mahomes does it the way that – Pat Mahomes does it the way that you would have drawn it up on a final play in overtime. But I, I just – yeah, I just – this was just so clearly not your – the same Chiefs team as the last couple Super Bowl victories, which is maybe makes it that much more impressive, the fact that they had to be so scrappy in winning this Yeah, one. no, that that's – and I thought that too. I thought there was a time going into the playoffs where many Texan fans – of all the scenarios the Texans could have had in the first round of the postseason, there were a yeah. lot of Texan fans that would have rather traveled to Kansas City to play the Chiefs than play the Browns at home. There was a, three weeks ago that was a thing. Remember that there were as many Texan fans wanted to play the Chiefs in the wild card round as wanted to play the Browns at home, which is crazy to think because now I'm looking at the TV in our studio here and there's Mahomes holding up the Lombardi Trophy. And I guess just to clarify my inevitability, it wasn't inevitability throughout the entire game at all. I thought the 49ers, by and large, played a really, really good game. It was in overtime for me. Like once, yeah. once they got it to overtime, like you know, think about that. The, the Niners take the Niners take a, a 19-16 lead, but they have they leave Mahomes with plenty of time uh, on the clock and two timeouts. Like to me, that was. That was where the inevitability started to kick in for me, Seth, was when the Niners had the ball at about the Chiefs' 35-yard line. They had a third and four, and not only did they not convert, but they threw an incomplete pass. So now Mahomes has a two-minute drill with two timeouts to go get at least get the thing to overtime. And, and I was a little surprised they didn't run one more play down there, the Chiefs, when they had a chance to end it in regulation. They still had six seconds left on the clock. Um, to to run a play down there. Instead, they kick the field goal and go to overtime. Yeah, I think, I think the only reason you were surprised there was because Romo was flip flopping and bebopping all over the place on the clock. It, I'm there. insulted uh, that you think somehow Romo crept into my thinking on anything <laughs> at all. I, let me just say that right off the top. <laughs> he was he went from thinking that oh you could probably run 17 plays in these last <laughs> nine seconds <laughs> to like oh they added a second good because I was worried. Yeah. I didn't think you could run. I don't know. You, yeah, you got to have that extra second. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to Romo. Um, but I, I thought when when the door was left open for Mahomes to actually get the ball in regulation and send it to overtime, and then when when the Niners, who were driving the ball impressively right out of the shoot in overtime, um, stalled down there deep in the red zone, I said, okay, well, this is, I mean, like these Mahomes is the guy that if you leave openings for like that, he's going to take advantage of it, and he did. That was my feeling in overtime when the yeah. when the Niners didn't score a touchdown. 
in overtime, and they kicked the field goal. I said, yeah, this is, this is how it goes. And Mahomes winds up with 333 yards passing. And to me, the bigger thing was the 66 yards rushing that he had. He had some massive, massive plays with his legs that were just got so well designed. Like the same exact play they ran in the first half, and they ran in overtime. That little, you know, the little bootleg to the right there. Yeah, um, yeah. He was, uh, he was, he was the best player on the field last night. They had held him to in the final two drives, uh, you know, and obviously the time factored into it there at the end of regulation. But they held him to two field goals, mm-hmm. but they were long. Like, the, the Chiefs were driving in regulation. Yeah. They, they had a 12-play field goal drive. Then the Chiefs had an 11-play field goal drive. Um, and I, I think a lot of people were curious about why the 49ers would choose to, to be on offense first, given that in overtime, with both teams having a chance to possess the ball, that it, it seems like, okay, wouldn't you like to know whether you need a field goal or a touchdown? I think at that point it was simply because of those – those two drives that the Chiefs had, their final two drives were long, long drives. The uh, the the 49ers defense needed a break. They just well, I think it was as simple as just uh, giving those guys physiologically a break. Shanahan actually said after the game yeah. that they had run the analytics on the new overtime rules. Yeah, and he had said that all week long that if they won the toss in overtime, they were going to take the ball first because oh, regardless, yeah, okay. because they wanted the third possession. Which yeah. I was kind of feeling too in a game where both offenses had kind of found their groove late in the game. Yeah. Um, that, that if, especially if you score a touchdown, that would have been fascinating if they had scored a touchdown, the 49ers, to see if the Chiefs came all the way back down the field. At that point, do you go for two? You know, do you go for two and try to end it, or do you tie it and you kick the ball back to the Niners, who had been moving the ball on you at the end of regulation and in overtime? Yeah. You know, do you try to end it right there, or do you kick the ball back to them and hope that your defense can make a play and get off the field? That would have been a fascinating thing, but Shanahan had actually said um, that they they would take the ball because they wanted the third possession. They they wanted that first possession where you can end the game in overtime, yeah. which which makes sense to me. I, I know, t- you know Shanahan's taking a lot of heat today for taking the ball in overtime, and I I, I totally understand the, the the other the other view on it. It's a it's I mean a it's a yeah, worthy debate yeah, yeah worthy debate. Yeah. Um, I had completely forgotten that uh, that that both teams got the ball in overtime in the playoffs because I had. Well, so- they changed it again. Like, I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, the they, explanations of the rules. Oh, they changed it after that Bills Chiefs game yeah. a few years ago. The yeah. um, the funniest thing about that we we came in with the final Kevin Harlan call on that play that ended up being the last play of the game on the TV copy. Romo was uh, to an absurd degree over explaining why. The Chiefs weren't in a hurry uh, at the end of the game, and why they, or at the end of that quarter, that because it was overtime and because you're going to go on to a second quarter. He explained it three times. As as Mahomes was coming up to the ball, Romo was still on okay. his third explanation of why the game would continue on through into a second overtime quarter. Thanks, thanks, Romo. Were you okay? I, I, this is a legitimate question for you because you and yeah. I exchanged texts about Romo as well. Were yeah. you, we've brought up Romo now. You brought up Romo twice in this in the opening segment. Were you able yeah. to enjoy this game? I, I'm, I'm, I, I was. I thought Romo was. I actually thought he was pretty good for the most part. There's just times where he needs to shut up. Yeah. There's two times where he needs to shut up. One is in key and critical moments of the game when really we should be hearing Jim Nance set everything up mm-hmm. and bring the proper import to the the moment. Gravitas. And, yeah. And two is like. <laughs> Any kind of rules explanation. Yeah. He's just got to shut the hell up. Yeah. And that intentional grounding that probably shouldn't have been an, an intentional grounding where Sterator and Nance wanted to discuss the fact that there very well was a, there was a potential receiver in the area. 
They showed a graphic of the tackle box, which is relevant on intentional grounding because Mahomes needed to get – like it was outside the tackle box on that. But he started using it as a reason to talk about a disciplined pass rush, then complimented the 49ers for their disciplined pass rush, even though on that very specific play, Mahomes had gotten outside of the pass rush. It was, And he just kept going. And then the other one on the reception – the use check reception. Mm-hmm. I like he tried to explain to Steratore the exact same thing Steratore had already said. That's where it gets obtrusive for me. I just think he gets in the way when they're trying to when the adults are trying to explain the rules. Dude, that's I exa- that's the exact word that popped into my head. I'm like, Tony, let the adults talk. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> As I, Amy and I are watching it, I'm like, he just needs to shut up while there's still like Steratore's there for a reason. He's right. there so you Gene Steratore is there, so you don't have to do this. He's there a referee. Are- he did a good job, I thought, a couple times kind of explaining what he would do offensively. Mm-hmm. I liked that. Mm-hmm. And what was it? It was in the fourth quarter or so when he said that he felt like they should get back to using use check and using 21 personnel and all of that, in which, which they did, the mm-hmm. 49ers did on the ensuing drive. So I thought that was good. Uh, I, he seemed... Uh, to make a loose analogy, Sean, to make an analogy. Sometimes he sounds a little bit like a drunk person. Yeah. Making an analogy here, right, not right, accusing of him of it. Yep. Uh, and sometimes he sounds like a sober person. Mm-hmm. I felt like he I sounded like a sober person. He last was pretty night. sober last night. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry. Yeah. He sounded like a sober person. Yes, last he night. sounded like a sober person right. last night. All right, let's stay with the Super Bowl here. And we'll get into some Texans angles. I like where Seth went with the. The uh, us watching what the, we're watching the blueprint for the Texans play out on the field last night. How do we feel about that? And were there certain things about the Niners that got me thinking about the Texans offseason? Most certainly there were. So we'll get into that. Some of the nuggets and the gaga surrounding the Super Bowl we'll get into as we roll on here as well on a reaction Monday. The Kansas City Chiefs are your world champions. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law we really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. The Chiefs are your Super Bowl champions, 25-22, overtime. An overtime win. We got to experience the new overtime rules. Kansas, uh, San Francisco. Uh, I guess we, technically they, this is how it would have played out under the old rules, too, because San Francisco didn't score a touchdown. 
uh, on their first drive. But anyways, Hell yeah, yep. Yeah. So so we didn't super get to experience the new rules, but uh, hell of a game. And um, I'm just looking at the play by play sheet for the game, Seth here, and all the drive the drive chart. And it's weird the botched punt return. You know the 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 ball the Kansas City punt that bounced off the Niners player's foot. And then McLeod tried to pick it up and fumbled it, and um, and the Chiefs get the ball and they get a room service touchdown. That kind of <laughs> it was kind of like a scoreboard enema, kind of cleared up, like cl- unclogged the pipes because there there was not the defense. Neither defense got off the field without giving up a score for the rest of for the rest of the game. After that, yeah, uh, it was just back and forth, you know, touchdowns, field goals, and so forth. After after the Chiefs took a lead in this game, thirteen to ten. Um, is that an official term of uh, a scoreboard enema? It is, is now. It, it is. Well, no, it's not. I invented. That? I invented it. Yeah. That's a. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. I like that. I just invented it. It might be a little graphic this this hour of the morning, but yeah, yeah I like it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was. It's kind of strange. Like the the that in a weird way, like both offenses kind of kind of had things going after well, that. Well, I, I mean, I think you know part of it too is. It is simply that that was when fatigue started to kick in. Yeah. Like you could see it on both teams, man. The yep. the forty nine er, and it was coming. It was manifesting in different ways. Uh, look, the the pass coverage just started to break on the forty nine ers defense. You could see that they could only disguise their injury at linebacker and their their mediocrity in the defensive backfield for so long, and that started to wear. You know, and then I, I think when Fred when Fred Warner. Like tried to be hyper aggressive on Travis Kelsey and lost him right at the line of scrimmage. That was probably that. That was the first indication that all right, man, these guys are they've they're on the other side of the mountain now. <laughs> they're they're like yeah. they're just they're careening downhill. I thought with the the Forty ers were able to just physically manhandle the Chiefs at the line of scrimmage, and they were running on them at will, not in huge chunks, but five six yards at a time. And uh, yeah, that that's where that's where I still felt. I still felt like the the 49ers very much in it. It was just a matter of the the Chiefs were probably going to be able to do it more explosively than the the 49ers. Yeah, that's why when they were man, I mean the Niners were handling that last drive of regulation perfectly. You know, the yeah. what their last drive of regulation yeah. perfectly. Um they were grinding clock. They got it under the 2-minute warning and then on a 3rd and 4 they just couldn't convert. You know, on a day where they'd been on a day where Christian McCaffrey and they brought Elijah Mitchell in for a few carries on a day where they'd been kind of Able to sort of grind and control the control the game and control the flow of the game. Yeah. At the worst possible time, they weren't able to do it, and they gave the ball back to Mahomes, and he was able to get him to overtime. One of uh, our listeners asks, "Did you wake up feeling differently about Brock Purdy this morning? Uh, that he's uh, a game manager like Cam Newton described?" I yeah, I thought I've, I've been very underwhelmed for the most part with Brock Purdy during the playoffs. The biggest the biggest thing about Purdy was how few genuinely good pass defenses he faced during the regular season. So when you combine that that system with all of those skill players going up against gener- generally mediocre or subpar defenses, he's able to rack up a lot of yards. Um I don't know, I'd like he's still a very young quarterback, so I would wait to really make a final declaration about him until uh, and, until a year or two from now, but it, it was, there was nothing about that game last night where I felt like, wow, without without Purdy, they'd be, you know, really really hurting in this game. Yeah, I, I thought he was I thought he was fine for the most part. He's going against yeah. a really good defense last night, so I'm willing to slide the scale a little. I guess the two things about Purdy in that game, and I've been hard on Purdy. Um, 
I guess the two things in that game where I feel like, ugh, if I'm the Niners, like, okay, is this the guy? I thought there were times in the game where his just merely his size in the pocket kind of worked against him. Like he, they were able to get some hands on some on some of his balls and get you know yeah. get get at his arm. Um, and I thought he's just not he's not like next level scary when he starts rolling out of the pocket either. Like when he starts rolling out and he's buying time and things like that. There's certain quarterbacks where I feel like okay, you let this guy buy time, he's going to piece you downfield. I just never got that feeling with Purdy. Again, he wasn't bad or anything like that. He just yeah. he. It, it turned into a Purdy versus Mahomes thing down the stretch in regulation and in overtime. And, again, that goes back to the inevitability that I felt. Like, okay, this is a guy who's going to make a bunch of plays. It's going to win you this game. And they've got Brock Purdy on the other side. Yeah, and I think the, the tipped balls, too. Yeah, like, yeah. okay, that's just – like you, might, you mentioned, just the ability to move in the, within the pocket. He does a really good – I mean, he does a good, he does a really good job of buying time. Yeah. And then I think when the scheme presents the open guy, the outlet receiver – then he does a great job of finding that guy. But I don't know if he necessarily has that same feel for it yeah. that like a, like a C.J. Stroud, frankly, does. To where even, okay, there's one thing to scramble and buy time, but even just moving within the pocket like you see Mahomes do so, so where you can find the open lane. I just don't know if Brock Purdy has that yet. Yeah. I'll, I'll say yet because yeah. he's still very young. You can definitely see at times in that game, because I was watching the same way you were, Seth, watching the 49ers with, an, with you know, with a – an eye on the Texans, because this is what D'Amico's trying to build. You know what they yeah. have there. That's you know some facsimile of it. I mean, obviously Stroud is next level compared to Brock Purdy, but but in terms of the concepts, run the football and build through the defensive line on on the yeah. defensive side of the ball. And for most of that game, you could absolutely see like, okay, now I see what D'Amico's talking about here. Now, granted, it's Christian McCaffrey, the offensive player of the year. Um, but the te- I mean the Texans need an upgrade at running back. There's no question. McCaffrey's not walking through that door. But there's some pretty good ones out there. And then when this when the Niners defense was really standing up in that game, it was the defensive line that was the catalyst for it. You know, getting stops on third and short, shutting down the run game, forcing turnovers, getting yeah. after Mahomes. Like I hadn't seen. Man, I like they got to Mahomes a few times in that they, game. They did a really good job making Mahomes look more uncomfortable than he typically looks. And it, another good thing, like honestly, like Romo, Romo did some good things last night too. He just, he's got these quirks now that it's impossible to ignore at times. Uh, but I thought he did a good job coming back after the first half and explaining that the, the 49ers had done a really good job disguising their coverages, showing man and then being in zone and vice versa. Um, I, I would have preferred some telestrator work illustrating it, but he, I mean, he was obsessed early on with layers. He would not stop. He would not stop talking about the 49ers' offense and their layers without ever actually showing what he was talking about. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that 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 Chiefs' defense, if I, I, like the 49, if the 49ers had been able to exploit the run game a little bit more against that Chiefs' defense, maybe that would have made the difference in the game. I mean, ultimately, ultimately, it came down to Mahomes just. Mahomes just figuring out exactly where the chinks in the armor were yeah. on that 49ers defense. And then also Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes with that all-out blitz was probably the mistake of the game. That's just the cla- – like, to your point, the 49ers were getting it done with the four-man pass mm-hmm. rush. Um, throwing an all-out blitz at Mahomes is rarely a good idea. And I almost felt like like Steve Wilkes looked across the, looked across the field – and saw what the Chiefs were dialing up, and they're very, very capable of blitzing very effectively. Mm-hmm. And he almost just wanted to, it like, 
subconsciously wanted to match that by Steve Spagnola or something. Yeah. It's just that that was a big mistake. Um, Travis Kelsey in the second half of this game was a huge key. Uh, yeah. He was. One catch for one yard. He had as many spats with Andy Reid on the sideline as he had catches or yards in the first half. One of each. That we know of. He may have had more spats that just weren't on film, but we do know he had one catch for one yard in the first half. He finished with nine catches for 93 yards. So he had eight catches for 92 yards in the second half and overtime of that football game last night. It was... Uh, he was he, he was vintage Kelsey after halftime. There was one thing... I. They were really letting guys play uh, in the defensive backfield and the linebackers in pass coverage. Like, like, like Fred Warner was getting pretty aggressive with Kelsey, and it looked like it was pretty far beyond five yards, and they were allowing it to go on. I think when you when you play that game, Kelsey Kelsey figure like Kelsey's really really good at using contact as part of his route. And I think that, you know, you saw when he got open on that 22-yarder in overtime, he he just he fooled Fred Warner at the line of scrimmage. And Fred Warner thought he was going to play him aggressively. Like, Kelsey is really good at the the double-double move. Like, where he's just – he's he sets up a double move with a, a fake double move, then back on his original route, and then back uh, on the actual double move. And, and and he ended up winning that chess match by the end of the game. Um, and that's where the officials were letting that go for the most part. They ended up calling McDuffie right on that one uh, on that one lasso of Jawan Jennings. Yes. Yeah. But other than that, it was a pretty clean game. At least they called a pretty clean game. And that one, I, th- I don't think they would have called it if Jennings hadn't hadn't stumbled out of the blocks. Uh, but so when you're going to allow guys to play that physical. Kelsey's really good at figuring that part yeah, of it out. Yeah, yeah, he was he was excellent. Um, I felt horrible for Dre Greenlaw. Um, yeah. that was, I mean, that's just that's just brutal. In, in, I mean, in case you missed it, um, they're running back out onto the field. The defense is running back out after getting a stop, and Dre Greenlaw just pops his Achilles running back yeah. out onto the field. Just. Brutal, and he's a he's a real he and Warner man. I mean, the linebackers are a big catalyst for what that defense looks to do. That was, I'm not gonna say that's why they lost the game or something like that, yeah. but it, it's just one of those things. Like I'm jotting down a list, Seth, of things that felt like happened for the New England Patriots for a decade that happened in the game last night on behalf of the Chiefs. You know, botch yeah. botch punt returns, uh, blocked extra points that kept it a three point game instead of a four point game yeah. down the stretch, and then one of the Niners' best defensive players popping an Achilles jubilantly running back out onto the field to take over, you know, to, to get out there. That, that one, there was that, I guess on the other side of it, that was weird though, where it didn't feel like a game of destiny for the chiefs was just how many uncharacteristically lack of composure type plays or actions the chiefs had starting with Kelsey flipping out on Andy Reid and almost knocking the guy over. The guy's got an artificial hip and Travis Kelsey assaults his coach assaults an old man with an artificial hip because he needs to get in he needs he needs to get in he's a worldwide celebrity now he's not just a he's not just a national celebrity he's a worldwide celebrity the world needs to see Travis Kelsey um you saw Pat Mahomes screaming at who is he screaming at on the sideline oh uh, Rasheed Rashi Rice that's right. He was screaming at Rasheed Rice because I'm guessing Rice was complaining about how he was open. Yeah, he was open down the middle when Mahomes forced the ball to Travis Kelsey on the right. sideline. It felt like a whole lot of 
disease of me type stuff. And uh, it's like it's not necessarily characteristic of what you think of with this this Chiefs team over the last few years. Well, it's funny the Kelsey situation with Andy Reid yeah. came in conjunction with a story that people wouldn't shut up about it before the game about how Travis Kelsey gave this impassioned speech to his team. They had they had three players. Andy Reid had three players speak to the team before the game reportedly: Pat Mahomes. Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey. And Kelsey's speech is the one that seemed to hit home with everybody. All the reporters that are covering this game are talking about it. James Palmer's doing a hit back to the NFL Network solely about Travis Kelsey's speech and how people were in tears. Travis Kelsey was in tears. It's the best speech they've ever heard. And so we had that story. And then early in the game, we have Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey assaulting Andy Reid on the sideline. I connected those two things. I'm like, all right, Travis Kelsey might have some stuff going on. Maybe it's not going so great with Tay Tay right now. Like he's, you know, he had he had a, a, a very tear ridden speech to the team where it was very emotional, and now he's he's, he's bumping his coach on the sideline. Every, everything's coming together. Yeah, my brother's up there with Ice Spice, and it just this, this old Spice Ice. What's her name? I, ice. Spice. I don't know. Who I I've only seen her in like various commercials and stuff. I know she's a big deal. Okay, she. I just, yeah. I, I just don't know who she is. I'll quote yeah. Ross Tucker. Because I felt the same way. Am I supposed to know who Ice Spice is? <laughs> he tweeted that last night. If there was one thing I learned about this weekend from being at Radio Row, uh, it's just the, that phenomenon now of everybody, for the most part, being very much in their own silos when it comes to who they think is famous. Because uh, it, at various times... Um, Aaron and, and Landry got in huge arguments over like who was or was not famous. Uh, and I, I shouldn't say huge arguments, just disagreements over whether like you should know who this person or who that person is. It is just if you're in your own little ice spice silo, then she's a huge celebrity to you. If you're out of that ice spice silo, you don't know who the hell she is. That's that's, that's me. That's where I am. Yep, I'm 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 outside the ice spice silo <laughs> for sure. All right, Payne and Pendergast with you. We'll get to some headlines. We'll dig into this. We'll dig back into the Super Bowl. No, a lot of you <clears throat> getting in your cars and just uh, tuning in now. We'll certainly hit all the high points from the Super Bowl. Um, and we've got uh, we've got a little bit of NFL coaching news as well that we'll get into in headlines. We will do that next. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast with today's headlines. All right, Payne and Pendergast with you. Here are the headlines. Let's uh, let's start with the Super Bowl and the Kansas City Chiefs are your world champions. 25-22, they beat the San Francisco 49ers in overtime. This is a game where the 49ers led 10-3 at the half intercepted a Patrick Mahomes pass right out of the chute in the second half. I have to go look, Seth, at the little game cast thingy and see what the the win probability was when the 49ers turned the Chiefs over on the first possession of the second half. A game where the Chiefs had nothing going offensively. All of a sudden, the Niners have the ball up 10-3 in the third quarter, and they'd been doing a lot of good things offensively. Um, I thought the Chiefs came up big there getting a stop after the Mahomes interception. Yeah. And, you know, eventually, eventually it was a botched punt return or a punt, a 
a Kansas City punt that bounced off the foot of a Niners player led to a turnover deep in Niners territory, and that kind of from there from there on out, there were you know a lot of offensive fireworks after that. It's, uh, this is a this is a tough one for Kyle Shanahan, who now as a coordinator and head coach has squandered a double digit lead in a Super Bowl uh, three times now. It's uh, that's I, I felt bad for Kyle Shanahan. Um, which at which point were you saying? Okay, there was a seventy three percent. The peak looks like it was a seventy three percent chance of winning uh, by the, by the Niners? Niners there yeah. midway through the third quarter. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I would say probably towards the, the end of the third quarter. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I mean the Niners. If, if you know, oh wait, if, I, yeah, I'm it, sorry. Then it, it went back up into the seventy percent or so there in uh, overtime. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like my point is, I, I felt like the like if this were a heavyweight fight, like the Niners controlled most of the fight, um, but Mahomes did what he's going to do, which is he made plays down the stretch. He made plays in overtime. I thought the most crucial plays, Seth, that he made were actually with his legs. A yeah. um, couple really crucial conversions. He had a 19 yard scramble that set up the eventual game winning touchdown. Mahomes was really, really good, like the great ones are, when he needed to be in this game. I can't, uh, I can't trust these win probabilities anymore. Yeah, I didn't think mean about, to get you off of, track. With no, that. no, 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 no. I mean, no, no. This, this goes into what you're saying about Pat Mahomes because it was actually the it with eighty when the score was ten to three, San Francisco to Kansas City, third and one when Pacheco uh, got stuffed on third and one. The 49ers supposedly had an eighty one percent win probability. Okay, um, you know, with eleven forty six remaining in the third, that's with. That's with Pat Mahomes on the other side of the ball. Yeah, yeah I'm not. Uh, I'm not buying that. Yeah, I'd, a, I'd that. gladly. Yeah. T- I should have. I, if the money line was four to one on that, which is what an eighty percent win probability is, I would have gladly yeah. taken Mahomes at four to one to win that football game at that point in time for sure. Um, but I think those are the big stories. I think Mahomes and Reed and where they are now in the pantheon of dynasties and greatness. That's going to be a big topic today. And yeah, Shanahan now like is. <laughs> Is Shanahan is it? We have the modern day Patriots now with the Chiefs, or are the Forty ers and Kyle Shanahan? Is he the modern day Marv Levy? Are they the Bills? You know, they 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 they're now zero and three in their last three Super Bowls. Shanahan's zero and two in two of those. I guess the difference between now and then, at least, would be that the AFC was much inferior to the NFC at that point in time. So the, it felt very much like the Bills were the best team in an inferior conference. Plus the one year that they kind of weren't the best team in the AFC but made the Super Bowl. Uh, so I guess that's that would be the difference right now. But similar enough that, yeah. Yeah. I, he, I, or he's like, he, ironically enough, he's kind of like uh, Andy Reid plus of the first version of Andy Reid. Yeah. When silly. he kept going to championship games and not wasn't able to win championship games. Yeah. I mean, he's he uh, Kyle Shanahan cemented an unfortunate designation here. Best coach in the NFL to not win a Super Bowl right now. Mm-hmm. Active, active head yeah. coach and not win yeah. a Super Bowl. I, the thing is about as far as the Chiefs and their dynasty and whether they compare to the uh, the the Patriots or not. I mean, the Patriots would go on to have after those first three Super Bowls, um, you know, three more Super Bowl victories, more Super Bowl appearances, mm-hmm. perennial conference championship games. Like it's it's hard. It's not. They're not even cl- like the Chiefs really aren't even close yet to matching what the Patriots did. And I'm not just talking about total number of Super Bowls. I'm just talking about length of dominance within their conference um, or, or extreme extreme competitiveness with their conference, especially looking the way they do right now. Like, they, they very much look like they're 
they're running on fumes in some degree, in some regards, compared to what they were. They gotta, they gotta figure some things out this offseason to try to maintain them. Yeah, they're not Patriots level dynasty. They are dynasty, I think, by modern standards. Yeah, you know, given yeah. the turnover and how quickly things can change in the NFL. I mean, to to win three Super Bowls in a five year period is in, in today's NFL is really commendable. It's uh, they did they did a great job. Uh, we'll get to more of the game at the top of the hour, but yes, the Chiefs are your Super Bowl champions for the 2023 season. Um, multiple owners, Seth, as we continue with headlines here, according to Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network, reached out to Bill Belichick to discuss hiring him next year in 2025 when he didn't land the Falcons job, and depending on who you want to listen to, either Belichick said no to them or they said no to him, whatever. He's not employed this go-round. Here was Tom Pelissero yesterday before the Super Bowl talking about owners reaching out to Bill Belichick. Belichick does want to continue to coach, and the expectation right now within the league is Belichick is coaching somewhere come 2025. In fact, I am told shortly after the Falcons opted to hire Raheem Morris over Belichick several weeks ago, multiple owners reached out to Belichick about next year's hiring cycle. He is 15 wins shy of breaking Don Shula's all-time wins record, including the playoffs. He is motivated to get that record. Bill Belichick will be 73 years old before the 2025 season begins, but this is going to be one of the big storylines over the next calendar year. So there's several NFL head coaches right now that are basically dead men walking, (laughs) whose owners are reaching out to Bill Belichick to gauge his availability and interest in their jobs. If, uh, If this story is true, do you have to do a what, what's your win probability chart on Jerry Jones being one of those owners? Oh, what's my? Uh, I would say oh, uh, minus two hundred probably. It's the favorite, right? Like yeah, the Jerry Jones yeah. has reached out to he Bill was, Belichick. He was one of those guys. Now Arthur Blank emphatically denied something that Boomer Esiason had said, which was that the that the Falcons had offered Belichick a job. Blank said, uh, no way, no how, buddy. We didn't offer him a job. I, I think that there's probably a really good chance that the Falcons and Belichick just felt mutually like, okay, this probably isn't the setup that, yeah. that we're like. I, I think that Belichick, I think Belichick's going to have preliminary discussions and or interviews probably maybe with multiple teams before he finds what he thinks is the right spot. And he's not going to jump into something that he thinks is a... Uh, is not the ideal situation. And uh, I'm not saying that just try to, you know, stroke Belichick's ego or anything. I think it's just where he is in life. Yeah. He doesn't he doesn't want to go and have to or, uh, live with some kind of a, a soap opera uh, imperfect scenario. He just he's going to want to be able to step in and, and compete right He away. wants it exactly the way he wants yeah. it. Yeah. I, I I would I would tend to agree with that. I do. Yeah, I'm skeptical that multiple owners said like, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and screw over my current guy by talking to Belichick <laughs> about something that might happen. Here's next the thing. Year. Multiple can mean two. <laughs> you yeah, know, like, true, that's yeah, a, like yeah. do I think there's two? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, that, that the other thing too is that we're kind of getting into that time of year when people have discussions about um, cause I know there was somebody, somebody reported, oh, Schefter was saying that, you know, the bears have had discussions about drafting Caleb Williams and keeping Justin Fields. Like, all right, well, yeah, like if you're, that's what you do when you're brainstorming, yeah. right? Like, yeah, you can have discussions about multiple things. That doesn't mean that like, that's a serious consideration or anything. Hey, did you, um, do you see the story that the Eagles have granted Hassan Reddick permission to seek a trade? One of the best yes, pass rushers I, I in football. Do you think yeah. Hassan Reddick is taking a look at Derek Barnett, his former teammate and saying, boy, his career sure got resurrected in, uh, 
in Houston. Would you take is Hassan Reddick a fit in what the Texans do here? Uh, he could be. I don't. I like. I, I still tend to think that D'Amico wants guys that have a um, that are a little bit bigger. Um, yeah. like a more classic defensive end physiques. Yeah. Just because D'Amico, D'Amico cares about stopping the run um, more so than than some defenses that are a, uh, like have a penetrating defensive front front mindset. And like it's not like Ridgeway is incapable of playing the run or anything. I think he just wants to have a certain level of physicality that comes with size. So uh, I don't know. I would I would love to have him. I think if that's what D'Amico wants. I, I, I spend maybe too much time thinking about what D'Amico would want instead of what Seth Payne wants. Mm-hmm. Seth Payne wants to sign You should Ridgeway. look out for yourself more, Seth, and stop yeah, looking out yeah. for D'Amico so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, you'd also have to trade something to get him. And he, from what I'm reading, he a big reason he wants to get out of Philly is he wants to get paid. Uh, his Uh-oh. contract, he's below market right now for somebody who goes out and gets you, you know, 13 sacks or whatever a year. So yeah. I don't know if I want to trade premium draft capital for a guy who is belly aching about his contract. I would just rather pay John Grenard and keep him here. That sounds like a that sounds like a delightful plan. I'm torn on Chris Jones right now because I'm watching Chris Jones last night again have multiple big impact plays, but then I'm also watching Chris Jones sporadic run defender uh just be part of a team that's getting run on mercilessly uh, like five yards at a clip up up the gut and that that's where I go back to D'Amico being a guy who genuinely wants to be able to stop the run um I just don't I don't know if Chris Jones is the guy that they look at and say yeah we want to pay him a bunch of money and have him be the ideal like the representative of what we think the ideal defensive lineman is because Chris Jones is um He's an awesome impact player, but he's just not a consistently good run defender. All right, let's get to, in the next segment, let's get to some of the the surrounding, the lanyap, as Mark Vandermeer likes to call it, the surrounding activity with the Super Bowl. We've dug into the game, and we'll continue to dig into the game, but there was stuff pregame going on. There was stuff the night before going on. We got commercials. We have wagers that went askew. We got all kinds of stuff to get into from yesterday's Super Bowl, and we will do that next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 